0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message, and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. What would you do if you were gifted? I don't know, like ten million dollars, uh, or maybe that's too big of a number for you to even dream about. Uh, let's say your um, your current income was doubled. You suddenly got a hundred percent raise what would you do with that increase? W- would you quit your job? Uh, I mean, obviously, if you get a 100% increase, you're not gonna quit your job, but you know, what would you do if you had all this money? Would you quit your job? Would you maybe go on a dream vacation? Um, and the key word there is if. If someone gave me, million, I would. If I got this huge raise, I would. And what we do is we always have this if hanging there as the way out of doing anything significant, right? So what would you do if someone gave you a million dollars that you had to give away? Maybe you would, I don't know, maybe you'd help start a hospital or help fund some significant research to help people. Maybe you would uh, open an orphanage or maybe you'd start giving to the church. Uh, Maybe you would, you know, there's another need around you, a cause that you care about that you would finally do something about. Here's what I've noticed. We all have big dreams for the big money we don't have. And we have little dreams for the little money that we do have. And the difference between the big dreams for the big money we don't have and the little dreams that of the little money we do have is the big dreams are about others and the little dreams are about us. The little dreams are um, the vacation I want to take, the extra things I want to experience, and the big dreams are about helping others. Maybe for some of you, it's you would do extravagant things for your extended family, or you would help out you know all those commercials that you see on TV, the needs, you would do something about that. But in the meantime, I gotta take care of myself, especially during a global crisis like a pandemic where we've never been so concerned about whether we could take care of ourselves. You know, like, are, is there going to be toilet paper in the, you know, in the grocery store? And now with this, you know, supply chain crisis, you're worried again. Is there going to be toilet paper? Are there going to be the basic things of life in order to meet my own needs? Uh, during a pandemic, when you're worried, am I going to have my job? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? And for many of you, the answer has been very troubling. By the way, I wanna, even as I'm talking about the pandemic, I I very rarely take a moment to do this, but I wanna just say to those of you joining us online, you're watching this behind a device, and welcome home to LifeHouse. We're so grateful that that you jump in, you join us online, whether you're watching it live as we stream it, or you're catching this later, we just wanna let you know, we appreciate you being part of the LifeHouse community. We value you participating online, even if you can't be with us in person we know there's a lot of reasons why you join online some of you you live in a different country uh, or you live far enough away that you can't make it to one of our in-person gatherings for others of you for a variety of reasons uh, it's you don't feel ready to join us in person or you can't and we just want to let you know that you are a valued part of the Lifehouse community we care about you We love you. We're praying for you. And as you've noticed, we've made changes so that this experience is the best experience possible for you. And we recognize that during the pandemic that we wanted to uh, do things a little different online. And so hopefully hopefully you're enjoying this, but more than enjoying it, that you're experiencing something. You're encountering God as you join us online. Let me jump back in. The pandemic has changed a lot of things for you, even financially, right? And so there's this tension that all of us feel, and maybe you don't feel it all the time, but there's this moment where maybe you see an ad or a need or you hear about some need somewhere else, and then you feel this tug between taking care of yourself and your own family and then maybe giving toward this other need. There was another... uh, time in history when there was incredible economic turmoil and political turmoil. It, It was set in the nation of Israel, and through this sermon series, we're looking at a specific Uh, Season in the nation of Israel when they were experiencing tremendous economic and political upheaval, uh, where the people had rejected God. And because they rejected God, they rejected living the best way of life. And when you don't do what's best, it has catastrophic consequences. For the nation of Israel during this time, it had catastrophic consequences like famine. And wars, and as a result, people were in incredible need. They were there was uh, economic crisis, and, and as a result, the those with power used it to abuse the weak. Those with financial resources used it to take advantage of the poor. And, and feels and sounds a little bit like today, right? Where. I, Regardless of where you are, you feel regularly like there's people trying to take advantage of you. They're trying to rip you off. They're trying to cheat you. Right, I, I mean, I get this regular. I, I feel like it used to be that we all just had to keep our eye out for emails from uh, one of those Nigerian princes. But today, they've gotten more clever. Uh, I, I mean, I actually just fell for one of these. Uh, it was a phishing scam. Uh, I got a text message that one of my accounts had been disabled and I needed to follow the link to fix it. And so, of course, I was like, and I had just been working on that account, and I was like, what? And so I jump on, follow the link, and I'm about halfway through filling out the information. I went, wait a second, this doesn't seem right. And so I went to my actual account online, and I was like, they're not, trying to get this information, and so then I had to change passwords, and you know, try to create a lot of protections to make sure that they didn't get any information from me, because we're all like, like you go through life like suspicious and skeptical that people are trying to cheat you and rip you off, and that was this era, and, and in fact, what you're going to find very quickly in this, in this chapter, 2 Kings chapter 4, is that it was actually far worse than it is today. Let's jump in and read 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets, so this is somebody who dedicated his life to serving God, to to ministering to people. Uh, The wife of a, a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, so he served God. He gave his best, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And uh, so he's a good guy doing good things, but he wasn't good with money, and he left a lot of debt. And, and so in this time, what they were allowed to do is, if you if you, there was a if you owed a great debt, you could make the person go to a work camp basically as a slave and all the money they earn went to pay off the debt so maybe a way to think about it is in a criminal situation you know if somebody robbed a bank well if they go to jail they never pay back the bank right and so while they're in jail imagine they had to work a job and all that money went to pay back the debt so that that was an ancient justice system and so what's going on here is here's this good guy who dies he we, he leaves his wife without life insurance he leaves his wife and his sons in tremendous debt and so the creditors come and they're going to take the sons and make them work until the debt is paid off. They become slaves. And so here is this woman who's set up for failure. She's living in tremendous crisis. She's suddenly shocked with this overwhelming debt. She's lost her husband, and now she's going to lose her sons. And, but at the very least, we can relate to this a little bit where life feels temporary, where it feels like whatever you've built could be just taken from you. You work really hard, you build up a savings account, and then your cars go, and you know, something serious breaks down your house, and suddenly, savings are evaporated, or you lose your job, and man, you used to feel like you had everything secure around you, and in a moment, you're wondering, I don't even know if I can pay my bills. Well, that's what this woman experiences. And so now she's going to lose not only, not only does she just lost her husband, she's going to lose her sons. And so Elijah, Elisha, I'm sorry, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil literally the only possession i have left is is a little little tiny jar of olive oil now olive oil is very valuable and very expensive but the little tiny jar of olive oil isn't going to pay off the debt and here's there's a principle that jumps out of this story it's a time where we're going to see from this point forward god uses elisha to perform amazing miracles and this moment is kind of the beginning of some of those miracle stories. And the miracle of the story is that God is going to have her use the oil to provide for her debt, to pay off her debt. And the key principle is that God provides through our participation. You've been waiting for God just to show up and do something miraculous. You've been asking God to do things in your life, but you haven't been participating in that. God provides through our participation. But at the end of the day, the real problem is not that you and I are in debt or in financial crisis or living during an economic turmoil. It's that there's a deeper crisis, right? It's what we do is we we do have a challenge financially or we feel like, Uh, there's this emptiness. For her, she lost her husband, she's gonna lose her son, she's in great debt, and we feel this debt, but the, the greater problem is this emptiness where nothing is ever enough. No vacations enough, no purchases enough, which is why we get addicted. People get addicted to spending, people get addicted to buying, people get addicted to working, right? All along, trying to meet this deeper need, right? A deeper need that you and I are empty. We've got holes in our souls. No matter what you put in, it pours out. The emptiness comes from this spiritual corruption called sin. Sin that drains us. Sin that leaves us spiritually empty. Sin is a separation from God, and all that is good. All that fills and satisfies. And when we're separated from God, whatever now, whatever we put in, whatever fills Spills, but whatever fills is spilling out, meaning it's being drained out. And so we go through life feeling empty, feeling exhausted, feeling like it's never enough. And so the real pain point is that we need to get filled spiritually. And and that's where Jesus comes in, right? Jesus sees our great need that we are enslaved, right? This woman, uh, this debt is gonna lead to her sons being enslaved The emptiness in our life uh, causes us to be strapped and trapped. And the, the part of that is that those things begin to chain us and control us. So emptiness leads to enslavement. Jesus saw that every one of us would become trapped by sin, drained by sin, and enslaved by sin. And so Jesus comes to give his life to pay off our debt. That, in fact, that is the theme of everything you read in the Bible. Uh, The Bible is a a historical account of the work of God throughout history. And here's what you notice, that from the very beginning, God is a giver. God came to give, not to get. He comes to express his generosity to us rather than to ask anything from us. And so Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's generosity. Jesus came. He gave his life, his life, the payment for our sin, sin that would end in forever judgment. So Jesus gives his life. His life pays off our sin debt. But what's interesting is this, right? Like you don't just get a canceled debt. Like the debt, the, the, the creditor doesn't just say, okay, your husband's dead, your debt's canceled. He goes, you still owe me. And so it's gonna cost you your son's life. We still owed because of this sin problem, this sin debt. And so Jesus doesn't come and cancel our debt. He comes and he pays our debt. He gives his life as the payment for our sin indebtedness. So Jesus dies on the cross. His life, the payment for our forever judgment. But he also rises from the dead. And in his resurrection, he gives us life, forever life. He gives us new life, forgives us of sin, and then gives us this new and forever life. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, they receive this gift from God. And so right now, maybe that's where you're at. You've been trying to fill an impossible void with all kinds of things. And the only way to truly fill it is for Jesus both to heal our heart and to heal our hurts, to fill those holes, and then to fill the deepest longing in our heart. And if you're there, you're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith through a story about a woman whose husband died and her two sons are gonna get thrown into a slave debtor's camp. You recognize, man, I'm in debt and I need new life through faith in Jesus. If that's you, would you make that commitment just to believe in Jesus by faith? And then let us know. Text the name Jesus to 81411. You can also maybe in the comment section say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Let us know. Reason is we wanna, we wanna quickly give you a link to provide some resources. We wanna help you grow as you begin this new relationship with Jesus. And one of our pastors will very quickly follow up with you to connect you to the support you will need as you grow in uh, your faith in Jesus. So as we jump back in the story, what I really want you to, what I wanna capture your attention is how God provides through our participation. And the first way that we begin to participate is by believing in God and recognizing God's role in our life. And so what what does this woman do? Uh, here's, I'm gonna give you the backstory and then I'm gonna read you a verse. So. Elisha tells the woman, uh, go collect a whole bunch of jars and then begin to pour the oil into the jar. Well, she only has a little bit of oil, but as she pours, the oil doesn't run out. It just keeps filling all of these jars. And so suddenly, a little jar of oil becomes a gusher in Texas, right? Like it suddenly becomes this like huge resource and then uh, the woman comes and tells Elisha, "This is what happened. What should I do now?" And that's where our story continues. If you go down to Second uh, Kings chapter four, verse seven, she went and told the man of God, and he said, "Now go, sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left." What's the point? The point is that God provided, but God doesn't just provide. He is provider. That's what Elisha wanted to use to catch her attention. He, this was a heart moment. She had, her husband had been one of the, among the company of the prophets. He had been a good guy, following a good God. And what Elisha wanted to catch her attention with is God doesn't just want to provide for you. He wants to be your provider. What he's saying is, I and more than enough. See, this is not a message about how you can get rich, how you can get rich quick, how you can prosper, that if you believe in Jesus, you're gonna always have it good, you're gonna have everything you want, everything you need, that if you have faith, you're gonna always have more than enough in this life. No, this message uh, is relevant whether you are being beaten as a Christian in North Korea or in China, whether you're in prison as a Christian in Iran, whether you are prospering in Beverly Hills as a Christian, wherever you are in life, what God really wants to do is get your attention to help you recognize that he is the provider. It's not just that he provides. It's that he is provider. He is more than enough. He is all that you need. Whether you have much or little, God is more than enough in your life. And so the key is this. What God wants to do is he wants to meet us in our poverty. He wants to meet us in our need and in our want. Why? Because he wants to become part of our story so that he can invite us into his story. His story where he is the hero, where he is the source, where he, Is provider well how does he do that right not every one of you that are joining us are in great need financially in fact some of you are financially prospering some of you in the future will financially prosper and so how does this message become relevant I mean what is your connection to this poor widow who's got this incredible debt well the what I'd encourage you with is recognize your poverty and then invite God into your poverty. Maybe your poverty is not financial. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe you're emotionally bankrupt. Discover God as your comforter. Maybe your poverty is in your mind. You got, you got scarcity thinking. And the reason why you've worked so hard to get ahead is because you feel poor in your thinking. God wants to meet you there. and He wants to, he wants to be enough in your thoughts, maybe your poverty is in a relationship. Maybe you've got a impoverished marriage or impoverished relationship with your kids or maybe there's another situation that leaves you in poverty. What God wants to do is he wants to show up and show that he doesn't just provide, he is provider. He's not just trying to provide a way out. He's not just trying to fix your problem. He doesn't just give you comfort, he is comforter. He doesn't just wanna heal you, he is the healer. The point is that he wants to demonstrate that he is the source He is God, he is in control and he wants wants you to invite him to be the hero of your life and your story. Let's keep going, as as we read in the story, what what happens? Well, in uh, verse two, Elisha um, asked her like, how can I help? Tell me, what do you have in your house? You notice the immediate question, how can I help? What do you have? Well, your servant has nothing. Well, she says, I have nothing there at all. Well, except a small jar of a little bit of oil. And what's the point? He, he doesn't say, what do you want from God? Or what can I do for you? He says, how can I help? What do you have? Meaning, Whatever help you're gonna get is gonna come from what you already have in your hand. The point is, God provides through an all-in participation. What do you have? I have nothing except this tiny little jar of oil. Okay, that's what God's gonna use. So what do you have? What do you have in your relationship? you need you need God to provide something in your marriage you need God to provide something in your in your relation with your kids you need to provide something uh, God to provide something in your uh, interpersonal relationships at work you need God to provide something in your finances okay he's going to invite you to give everything you have so that he can show up and give what he has that's the point God says you come all in, then I will show up supernaturally Here, here's the thing God does what we call general provision. He provides for everyone at all times, right? The air that we breathe, the earth that we live in, the the rain that comes from the sky that feed the crops that we eat, right? That's the way God provides for everyone. And Jesus says that God provides for those that know him and love him and those that don't, because God's showing them that he's provider. But then God wants to show up and show off in supernatural, impossible ways. Well, how does he do that? Well, he chooses people to show up and show off through in the people that are willing to take a step of faith and go all in, right? Now, here's the key. Your all-in participation is not what provides, right? This woman offering her jar of oil does not provide for her. God uses that oil to provide, The point is, if she hadn't been willing to go all in in her participation, God would not have supernaturally showed up and provided for her. And this theme runs throughout the Bible. There's a moment where Jesus is watching people giving in the temple and there's a woman who gives two pennies and God says her gift was bigger than everyone else's. Why? Because she gave all. There's a little boy uh, with this huge crowd of people listening to Jesus teach and preach, and he offers his lunch, everything he has. And God uses, Jesus uses that lunch to feed a crowd of thousands and thousands of people, right? Because he gave all. So she gives all, and God does what only God can do. The reason why you may not be experiencing the supernatural of God in your life. The reason why you might not be seeing God's provision in your life is because you're still, you're, you're willing, you're not willing to give it all to God. And so God's saying, why don't you give me all trust me? Why? Because what God wants to do is he's testing you to see if you really trust him. You've not experienced God's provision because you're still trying to meet your own need, right? Nobody wants to be helpless. In fact, we all do everything we can to avoid being helpless. But for this uh, woman, God shows up and God does what only God can do by being provider, but asking her for an all-in participation. What would it mean for you to go all-in and participating in God's provision in and through your life? As you read the story, here's what Elisha says. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it, put, it, uh, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is, there are, uh, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. God filled up every jar that they brought. Every need that you bring to God, God can meet that need supernaturally when you go all in. But you've got to be willing to bring to God what you've got. And so there was this participation thing going on. You've got to be willing to go all in to participate with God's supernatural provision in your life. If you, if you keep back, God will keep back from supernatural providing. Why? Because he wants to demonstrate that he is the provider, but he always leaves room for faith. That's what I want to plant in your mind. The reason for an all in participation is God always leaves room for faith when he provides for you, when he provides through you. There's there's a, a story that comes almost immediately after this as you're reading the life of Elisha where there's another moment where they have to give before God does. Meaning God is inviting us to take the first step. Maybe the first step for you is to write a tithe check, to write a check to give into the church. Maybe it's to meet a need. Maybe it's to provide for someone else. Maybe it's to go beyond yourself and give away what you thought was yours. And the point is that they had to give before. Let me read the story. A man came from uh, Baal Shalisha, uh, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first uh, first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elijah answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Now you can't read that without immediately thinking of Jesus feeding the thousands, right? And, And it's really a foreshadowing of how, Um, They brought this bread. It was not going to be enough to feed a hundred men. Jesus was offered a small lunch. It was not enough to feed the thousands. So they broke it and gave it, but then it, it supernaturally meets the need. They had to participate. They had to go all in. They gave before God showed up, and then when God does what only God does, it becomes this amazing miracle. Here's the key. Whatever God is asking you to give to Him, he will not be outgiven. Let me, let me make it clear. God will not be outgiven. Try it. Prove me wrong. Here's what I've discovered in my life, what I see consistently in scriptures God is generous. He's inviting us into his generosity. God will not be outgiven. So why don't you try it? So, what's the key? The principle is God provides for us to provide through us. How does God meet the needs of the world around us? Through us. As you pour your life out, God is pouring his oil through you. You know what oil is always representative of throughout Scripture? The Holy Spirit. So this woman, it's a picture of how she's—you know, she's got this debt. She's pouring out the oil into jar after jar after jar. God is pouring his spirit, which sometimes doesn't feel like enough, into our spirit, and as we pour out, God continues to pour in. And he's pouring in to fill the vessels around you. God is generous to you to be generous through you. You are the expression of the generosity of God. Now, I've preached a, a similar message recently, and so I wanna make sure that the application is unique to you. What is that step that you need to take of all in? God, I, I recognize that this is something I've been, I've been keeping a hold of, or God, I, I want you to do this for me, but I'm not willing to give before. God's saying, give first. Trust first. Take a step of faith first, because what you're saying is, God, I'm going to trust you, no matter what. Are you willing to take a step of generosity to follow God? Are you willing to take a step and say, God, I'm going to trust that you're a provider. I'm not just looking for your hand, God. I want your heart. I want more of you, because that's what God's asking of us. He's saying, Man, I don't just want your money. I want your heart. I don't just want your hand, I want you. But the way to our heart is often through our finances. And so God's trying to get a hold of you. What, what do you need to let go of? What do you need to give to God? In what way do you need to participate with God in order to see him supernaturally and miraculously provide for you and through you? What I'd like to do is take a moment. Maybe there's something in your heart that just was stirring in you as I've been speaking and you're like, I need to give that to God. I need to give to God. I need to give to the church as a step of faith to go all in and participating with God's provision. So why don't you take a moment right now, just whisper a prayer to God. Say, God, I'm gonna trust you to be my provider and I'm willing to participate with you in that provision. How does God want you to take a step of faith right now? Take a moment, pray, and would you talk to God about that?